and the mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 305. I am your host, Jim, and I'm going to be going through Heroes Reborn number three and Daredevil number 30 in a catch-up episode, because last week we only had a one-issue episode. It was Amazing Spider-Man number 66, if you want to go and listen to me and Clay talk about that. But in the meantime, Brandon and me recorded about an hour more for that podcast and his files were all corrupted it did not work out and last week snafu central it was here at the weird science studios so i ended up saying that eventually i'd come back and talk a little bit of the two big books or the two books that one i love one is big heroes reborn big i guess i guess daredevil number 30 i love so i'm going to go off to Talk about those. I'm not going to come back afterwards. It's just going to go through. This is kind of, again, an impromptu type of just here's these two books before we get back to the grind of the regular schedule starting tomorrow as I record this Wednesday night with the regular podcast, the regular Marvel Comics podcast, episode 306, where I'm going to have a couple guests. Possibly. I'm going to be joined by Clay, as we always do. I think me and him are going to do Beta Ray Bill and something else, possibly. And then I might be joined by Eric Shea from the DC side of things because a new uh, issue of Alien came out. And then I will be joined by my man Stork. If you're on the Patreon, you will know Stork from the plethora of podcasts I do with him. And I asked him to join me on the Marvel deal. Number one, because I do like him and I like talking comics with him. Number two, he's a drunk, he is, and it kind of, you know, gets me in the deal. I, Brandon, Stork, drunk, drunk, you know, like that, because we're having problems with Brandon. I want to try to figure out what's going on. And legitimately, I actually have been trying to get Stork on the show for a while, but he's kind of been a drunk for a while, so that all works out as well. But, yeah, we're going to hopefully – Keep our fingers crossed. Talk to Brandon about something as well, but we'll see. But with this, we're just going to go into this. Like I said, quick fire deal. Heroes Reborn, Daredevil. I'm not going to be there in the back. So remember to go over to the Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back and go to our webpage, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com and the Patreon, Patreon.com slash WeirdScience. So that's that. Uh, I hope you enjoy this impromptu deal also hey have a nice day all that and i'll talk to you later all right and now we're gonna go into heroes reborn heroes reborn number three now usually i put the big big books at the end of the podcast this heroes reborn well i'll give it a lot of credit of being a self-contained story and not having too many issues we're already at heroes reborn three now the main story has seemingly six issues, and then we have a seventh, The Heroes Return. So it's seven issues in the main book. But the actual story being told has six. But is it being told because in a weird deal with this, Jason Aaron, 
inside this story here is more concerned of giving us his clever takes on the Squadron Supreme and how they are like different members of the Justice League, but is leaving the story behind. And even with that, the idea that you have a book here where the backup is the thing that pushes the story forward and the backup's only a couple pages, what's going on? I mean, what is going on with this story where I'm not, when I get went into it, the idea, oh my God, the Avengers aren't in this world. They never were. Blade's the only one to remember this and seemingly having him go and try to find all the Avengers, try to get their, you know, memories back. He goes to Thor. Then he gets Cap out of the ice, which we were told in the first issue. That was the divergence point. That was the deal, even though it didn't quite make sense. It didn't because the Avengers were around before Cap got out of the ice. That happened a couple issues in number four where they went and got him out. So what is really at play? Uh, And what I don't understand is why aren't we seeing the world, you know, as a whole? When you do these stories, you, you hope that what you see is without the Avengers, some really bad things have happened. What we see is without the Avengers, we get an amalgam bunch of characters and the Squadron Supreme being the Justice League deal is taking its place as the Earth's mightiest heroes. And I, I, I even with that, it, it, Jason Aaron is playing around with this idea of like, hey, look, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to show you all the individual characters. That's fun enough, but that's not a story. That is just, this is just one shots. Even the tie-ins, they're just one shots of throwing out, hey, look at Peter Parker, Shutterbug. Hey, look at Hyperion. It's like he's in the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, my God. Look at Blur here. He's like the Flash. And so with that, you're making everything not feel very important as an overall concept. And maybe you just kind of go into this and say, well, I kind of like the look of Blur. I'll read that issue. It's not going to matter if you read as of right now, even though in this too, you throw things where Two parts of actually three parts in this Wanda she seemingly Remembers or at least says things Aren't right here blur oh My god what's wrong here And then you end up in the backup Where you have Maya echo Phoenix force she remembers now And it's it's starting to Water down the concept The concept of blade being The only one who remembers the Avengers Okay that's cool let's see blade Try to gather people up. And and the idea that was played out slightly when Cap last issue wakes up and says, you know, I had a vampire standing over me and whatnot. It is a cool concept of the only one who's going to be able to save the Avengers or remind people of this is is a damn vampire who you're not going to trust right away. You're going to be scared of. Uh, But would you? Because one of the things I have to point out is. Blade ends up saying there's no vampires, but we don't know if the vampires were winked out when this started or they were destroyed. So I guess we'll have to find out. But Cap, he seems to know what a vampire is. There's a lot of things in this that just aren't hitting for me. I like the art. There's two stories in this issue, both of them written by Jason Aaron. Race Through Dread Dimension is the start in the main story with the Blur character being the Flash. And then art by Federico Vicentini. And Matt Miller on colors. Then you get the backup, The Silent Inferno, written again by Jason Aaron, pencils by Ed McGuinness, inks by Mark Morales, and colors by Matthew Wilson. And that is the Maya, the Echo, Phoenix Force deal where you have Blade and Cap now go to recruit her while she's in Ravencroft. 
And here's the deal. Now, Blur, the story with Blur, it, it gets annoying. He has ADHD. At one point, he even spells it out. I have the attention span of a hummingbird on meth. We spend a lot of time giving you that with basically one joke. The one joke, I have so many TVs, I'll count them, 28. Then he talks for two seconds. Hey, did I tell you how many TVs I have? I have 28. And then, hey, guess how many TVs I have? 28. And you're just kind of sick of it. But the big thing is to show Blur, show his whole deal. Instead of the Speed Force, we're here at Marvel, he ends up having a mystical type deal that ends up, you know, almost tying into a Doctor Strange type deal while he is fighting, racing Wanda, the Silver Witch. And we saw in, I believe it was the first issue, that Wanda ended up taking the power from her brother Pietro. So now she's the speedster supreme, uh, which you have Blur say, hey, I'm litigation pending. And it's all about jokes. It's all about, like, Trying to get chuckles out of you, I think. And you're here at Marvel, and you're playing the game. Now, if it's me, I wish that you were doing the idea of let's throw complete shade at DC. Not, you know, let's not mimic it. Let's actually show you why here at Marvel we're better because we're going to show you that the Squadron Supreme is nonsense because they are the amalgam of the Justice League. Because a lot of people reading Marvel either don't read DC or they're shaking their fists. Now, few of us read both and like both, but still, I would have actually gotten a kick out of some things where while you're doing Blur and showing that he is the Flash here, show why that's nonsense. Show why it's ridiculous or show why it's better here than there. And you don't really get that. What you get is a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of wink-winks. You have Gorilla City with the Flash. Well, Blur has Grizzly City. Nothing expands on that. And and again, this is what I was saying at the beginning, and I, I have the attention span of Blur as well, a hummingbird. A hummingbird <laughs> on math. Uh, what, what is going on with the world at large? Is, is this a worst world? Are we worse off with Grizzly City than Gorilla City? They're both nonsense, so it's not going to be. But you know what I mean? The, the idea of where are we getting this point where we're like, oh, my God, we got to get out of this or, oh, my God. No, basically, you're just like, oh, man, I love the Avengers and I want them back. But it's not enough right now. And not seeing what Coulson's doing as president, because that just got kind of thrown in there. I need more of the larger scope, not individual character one shots as a main book. Use the do tie ins for these have a main book that has the certain amount of issues, whether you're going to maintain six or whatnot, but show that the. the the ramifications show what's at large, not, hey, this issue we're going to show Blur running around in the dread dimension while being chased by a speedster, Wanda, who then says, speed no more. And then, oh, my God, look, it's like House of M, but it's House of Heroes Reborn. Oh, goodness gracious. And then end up by the end having things like instead of the pennant stare with the ghost rider. You have the penance stairs running up them with the ghost runner. All right. Yeah. I mean, what does this do? What is this doing? What's like, like every time I see this, ooh, watch out here on the penance stairs. I'm like, oh, that's great, ghost runner. Where's Blade? Where's Cap? Why aren't we dealing with the main story? What's Colsa doing? Where's Mephisto and all this? Because we're pretty sure that when Mephisto was hanging out with Coulson, this sets the whole thing in. Like, what, what's going on? 
we're three issues into the main book and we have no idea what's going on. And you start to convolute it a bit where people are starting. Why does Blade remember? You know, I can see that when you end up having a blur who's running through and the fabric of time and space is kind of breaking down a little that he ends up when he comes back saying, oh, my God, this doesn't feel right. But even then, what does that mean to him? What does that mean when Nighthawk seemingly in the first issue has investigated and seemingly feels like this is not the right thing going on? What happens when Hyperion actually gets a little bit of a doubt and whatnot? Because we just keep going in, out, in, out. We're going to do this next issue as well. And so by the third issue, the first issue, I really like. Then we have kind of a Hyperion issue. It kind of, it still felt like we were doing the story. Because we still ended up having Blade and the regular story going to get Cap. Hyperion goes to try to see if Cap's in the ice. Can't find him. In the meantime, he is fighting all these villains of his coming out of the negative zone, getting them back, whatever. Hulk comes, all that stuff. Then we get into this issue, and you're like, oh, no, the main book is just one-shots of these characters, and we still have a bunch. So why do I need to read this? Especially because you're playing in a contained deal that will end at the end of this. Am I getting enough? Three issues of seven of the main book, also a third of the way through this whole event. That's weird to say, but it is with the one-shots and all that. Am I getting enough right now that I think that I should keep going? Because I'm not. I'm not at all because I don't get the overall picture or importance of something that seemingly will just be snapped out. I'll snap. Boom. Snapped out. Where's Thanos? And so with that, it's playing on just trying to be fun and having these wink, wink moments. Oh, man, that's just like the flash. Oh, man, that's an amalgam of things. You see, he goes off. To talk to the Ancient One, that's just like Doctor Strange. Oh, my goodness. It's not enough. And you end up where you do have Blur, having to remember that he isn't just Blur. And I, I think that this whole thing boils down because what happens is Wanda ends up grabbing his soul, almost like she grabs the Stanley part of Blur out, you know, grabs his humanity out, and he is going to end up dying if these things are separated. So he ends up thinking back to when he first got the speed power. He wanted to say the speed force, but the speed flower power and went to the ancient one. And the ancient one told him to look at a flower. That's why I got that message. It's the speed flower. It is uh, ends up where he is told to settle down. Also, remember that there is a man inside. There is. It's not just blur. It's not just running. This is how I take it. A lot of people, even I, I talk to, are like, I don't know what the hell the end is. But it's almost like to, to smell the roses. Stop and smell the things. Watch the trees, not just the forest. Go with all of the stuff where then he seemingly is either able to conjure up or at least see that there is other life around. And there's other things and ends up getting on a giant octopus and whale and ends up being able to defeat Wanda because Wanda thinks that you know, Stanley Stewart, the, the whole deal, his whole persona deal is going away. But in fact, it's coming back to him. I'm telling you, there, there's not much going on. I'm trying to advance this in a way that, you know, give you something to grab onto. But really, it's just him running around chasing Wanda. Wanda says speed no more. And then at the end, he's going to, you know, 
go and have a race with Dr. Spectrum. Boom. Nothing. I'm getting angry now. But also, you then have the backup, which you do get some. But is it enough? And why a backup? Because the backup is Maya, Echo, Phoenix Force, all that, which if you're following the Avengers going into this, you know. And I think that this is also in a weird way. I think that Jason Aaron is afraid that not everybody knows this that because it did kind of hit with a thud after that whole phoenix force tournament maya echo gets some people like who all right let's go whatever and so this is a reminder because she will be a big part but you start to i said earlier water down the story because now she seemingly remembers like you had blade again that's cool but now she's just sitting there in raven crop with nothing else and she's oh man i got the phoenix force had it for like a day and then i woke up and the world was changed but I remember that world, but I, I'm afraid that I did it with the Phoenix Force. What, why are you convoluting this? What, what is the deal? At the end, I think that it's not going to be any of the things that people are saying. I think Mephisto did it, but you have her, all right, you know, I'm, I'm using the Phoenix Force and setting rats on fire to go and set bad people like Bullseye on fire. is going to use a tooth as a weapon. And I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to stay here, and I'm just going to think about things when Blade and Cap show up. And like, hey, uh, you know, you want to join our team? We're going to try to get the Avengers back. She's like, all right. And that's how it ends. (laughs) That's it. And then you have the next issue, issue number four. With the cosmic might of the power prism, Dr. Spectrum has become the most feared lawman in the heavens. But now that he's like a manhunter. He's not Martian, I guess, but he's like an. But now the dark force of deep space has sent the galaxy's most notorious bounty hunter to end Spectrum once and for all. That's right. Here comes Rocket Raccoon. Plus, in a backup tale, the all-new Star Brand finds herself alone in a strange new universe. All right. And so I, is the Star Brand going to be the babies? Is she going to have grown up in this? We're going to do this? I don't know. But you can't have plus in a backup tale to keep the, the story going. You need a main story. And then we have, you know, coming up, we have Magneto and the Mutant Force. We have the Siege Society, Young Squadron, and... After reading The Amazing Shutterbug and The Hyperion Imperial Guard, yeah, they could be fun or whatnot, but nothing matters here. It really doesn't. And it's if you if you get a kick out of these amalgam characters and stuff like that, but even now, that first issue, you had like things like, you know, Juggernaut combined with Doctor Doom. Doctor Juggernaut, all right. We can play around with this, we could have so and you kind of get away from that as well. They, you know, they do try to give you one with Wanda here, but it's just Wanda getting her brother's powers and she wants revenge. And I just, you know, and when you just throw out, hey, there's the ghost runner. Really? So, yeah, overall, I'm a six. I want to go six because the art is pretty good, but it's 5.5. I just didn't have as much fun as some other people might have had with this. And if you had fun, that's great. Uh, but overall, I, I need a story to to get my you know mitts on i need something to be able to grab onto and saying oh my god this is clever this is neat but all we're doing is okay blurs the flash let's talk about how many tvs he has because he's got adhd and run around and that's really what you get so i'm not enjoying this and my my enjoyment level for this whole heroes reborn is plummeting by the issue so i need something i need something that really feels oh my god not even i know that the thing is i say i want something that feels important i'm not saying that at the end of this it's not going to reset but i need something important in this like i i can 
you know, I can go with the fact that this is probably or will be reset by the end. But while I'm reading it, make it feel important to me. Make it feel like something I have to keep reading because, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And I'm not getting that. And it's it's really upsetting to me. But it goes with Jason Aaron and this whole Avengers run. It's been pretty much bullshit to part of my French. I mean, it, it hasn't been really good at all. And then you go into this as a step. Hey, uh, I'm so sick of killing it on the Avengers. Let me do this nonsense. So, yeah, it's just nonsense. Nonsense. So I'm going to go off to an issue to end this that I actually do really like, and that is Daredevil. All right, and it's Daredevil number 30, written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils by Marco Cacetto and Mike Hawthorne, inks by Marco Cacetto and Adriana Di Bandido, colors by Marcel Menez, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. It's doing time part two. While Matt Murdock was serving prison time, in his mask as Daredevil, he was assaulted by a gang of fellow prisoners who left him for dead. On the streets, Al's kitchen, Electra has taken up the mantle of Daredevil in Matt's absence. And while Electra tries to follow in Matt's heroic footsteps, Matt's twin brother, Mike, poses as Matt in public and also poses as a real piece of shit, right? Because he is up to no good. He has been teaming up, whispering in the ear, maybe manipulating, but with Butch. Butch, who is the illegitimate son of Wilson Fisk, Mayor Fisk, who wants to take it back to the streets, wants to get what's his, all of these things going on. And Matt, as or, or Mike, as Mike is going in here, you end up having him kind of really get there's a little subtle deal in here where butch is like hey welcome to my you know new offices check it out and getting most of the money from izzy libris of the libris crime family who is kind of the kingpin right now but butch wants to take it for himself and he's manipulating her it's everybody manipulating everybody but he walks in he's like hey this looks better than the offices back at Bugwells. And Butch is like, can you just at least try to pretend that you're blind? Ah, who cares? I think that he's starting to go a little bit too much over the top with this and will be found out. And with that, I don't know. It's almost like the funny thing where you'll end up twisting and turning and somehow Mike will end up in jail in place of Matt when Matt comes. It's going to be nonsense, but you end up where Matt's, in the hospital because of getting poisoned, then stabbed, beaten up, all of that. And you end up having everybody show up. We finally see Foggy again. Foggy is pissed. He's just like, and and this is the thing. You also see Cole, which if you've been reading these issues, if you've been reading this Chip Zdarsky run, Cole is an awesome character who ended up really pretty much going full out against Daredevil with them realizing that Daredevil was a good guy. So he's there on his side. And so, yeah, you have Matt in the hospital as Daredevil. He's got the mask and stuff like this. Foggy, Cole, Kristen's already there. And they're trying to work out a deal. They end up bringing in a woman from the FBI who wants to work a deal with Daredevil, where they think that the warden of the prison is not on the up and up. Well, we see he's not. He's, you know, and it's one thing at, at first. You're getting the idea, oh, it's like one of these things in a movie where the warden has it in for the good guy, and he's going to do this, and he's running the prison almost like his own little fiefdom where he, he's the king. And he, It's more than that. It seems like he is up to a lot of no good, uh, you know, manufacturing some things or whatnot, using the prisoners as a workforce, which which you would do. You know, they even say 
you know, they're making hand sanitizer, they're making the license plates, digging the graves and stuff like that. But we think that he's going up and above that. Now, uh, Matt ends up agreeing, yeah, I'll help you. And they're saying, we'll commute your sentence. You help us, we'll get you out, whatnot. Because Cole even says, you're going to die. You know, you are going to die in here. And again, though, and, and it's so well played out where Matt says, I'll help you guys, but I'm going to serve my full term. I'm gonna, and, and the thing is, that's very admirable. You even have Cole coming up saying, you seem to think, and this is what, remember, when he was going into prison, Electric came to talk to Matt and said, you going into prison is not a selfless act. It's a selfish act. The amount of people who will die because Daredevil is not out on the streets does not end up balancing out to this one guy you accidentally killed. Stop it. You're being selfish and you don't even realize that Cole's saying the same thing. But he's also saying in the idea of Matt, especially Foggy, but Kristen as well, they're working so hard to save your life i mean this isn't just they don't want you to be uncomfortable in prison you are gonna die and they are desperately trying to figure out a way to get you out and you keep throwing it in their face then no no i'm serving my term no like a little kid and it is true now with all of that because electra had had that talk to matt and also at one point Electra, it's such a cool story the way Chip Starsky's doing this because if Hell's Kitchen would have been bought up by the Stromwinds, Matt wasn't going to go to jail. He was going to try to work out a deal because he needed then to get Hell's Kitchen back to the people. But Electra ended up buying up all of Hell's Kitchen with money she stole from the Stromwinds and whatnot. Uh, that did allow Matt then to say, thank you. Now I could go serve my time. I, I He just worried. And that's a good thing. He worried about the Hell's Kitchen and the people in it. So basically, Electra, though she was upset, she ended up being kind of the catalyst by the end of him going off to jail. Now, in the meantime, because there's nobody to put, she said, if Daredevil's not on the streets, then people die in it. So now she's Daredevil. But then with her being Daredevil, she can't be herself because Electra she likes to slice and dice, but that wouldn't be good because this is all of this. If you can follow, she needs Matt eventually to get out of jail to help her go against the hand. But in a prophecy that one of them will die. It's so crazy. The stuff that Chip Zdarsky is juggling here, but all of it's big. This, this is what I was talking about, you know, just a few seconds ago about Heroes Reborn. It doesn't feel big within the story. This does. Everything that happens ends up getting, you know, layer upon layer of bigness because then Electra, trying to act like Matt, is training a little sidekick that she throws into danger. There's Alice. All these things going on are so good. And seeing Electra trying to do the right thing. But, you know, kind of not knowing exactly what the right thing is, but then in this issue ends up almost, you know, getting in big trouble because she does think she knows how to do the right thing. In the meantime, you have Fisk, who's going to end up having a, a dinner with Typhoid Mary, who is out of the hospital after the whole King and Black stuff, all that stuff going down, but is working with a psychiatrist trying to get her life back together. And Fisk does seem... Like he wants a bit of a relationship 
with her and seems like he wants to first off apologize for all the crap he's given her in the past, but wants her to be happy because she makes him happy as well. They're having a little dinner and trying to forgive and forget sort of thing where then you end up having Electra and Alice, Alice dressed up almost like a little Damian Wayne, dressed up in this little costume, uh, go to this club. And this club that is being run at this moment, it's almost like a pop-up type deal of drugs and guns and money. You know, like the song went, where's Warren Zevon? You end up, that's old people's music. You end up, though, where she goes up to this doorman. Hey, I want to get in. Why should I let you in, Daredevil? Because she's dressed up in her Daredevil costume. And in such a badass move that you don't expect. She's like, because I'm Electra. And ends up showing her face like I'm Electro Nastasios uh, and you're going to let me in. I own this building. I'm like, oh, don't you care about a secret identity? No, I'm too badass. And she is. That's, that's the biggest badass move of like, I don't care. Look, I'm Electra. What are you going to do about it? And uh, she does own the building. You know, Butch, who's in there right now, he's just renting it. Uh, and so she goes in, goes up to Butch. And Butch, I'll give some credit. You know, he's kind of just been this goofy guy who's hanging out with Mike, but now he steps it up to be badass himself and does go through. And this is, again, the layers. This is what Chip Zdarsky does and why I do like this book a lot is that it's not just surface level. He Butch ends up explaining, listen, this is what happened here. Like, you want to say that I'm the bad guy, but you set it all up. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you end up pretty much letting people live rent free. She ended up buying all of the Hell's Kitchen, especially the apartment buildings and whatnot, so that these people don't have to get gouged. They were going to get gouged by the Stromlins, who then were would be able to get them to move out, and then they tear it down and gentrify it. You know all that stuff going on. But these people now have a lot of free time and cash. You know that everything's paid for, so they have. And unfortunately, people are bad. They're going to go out and party. They're going to do drugs. They're going to buy guns. All these things that are the bad stuff in Hell's Kitchen. And really, it does come back to that idea because surface level, it's cool to say, oh, everybody in Hell's Kitchen lives free. Everybody. You don't have to worry about that at all. Ooh, you can. But that does lead to stuff. That does lead to, you know, more things going down. It affects things than just saying, ooh, you saved everybody in Hell's Kitchen. And Butch is right. But just there and saying people are now, you know, down with me because I'm just there to supply stuff. They have the extra cash. Here we go. Let's and you end up where this bodyguard then steps in because he even says, now you're messing up the party and the people don't like that. This guy comes in looking like Jason Voorhees starts attacking. And by the end of it, he ends up getting killed by Alice who shoots him with a gun. She ends up in, in the side trying to beat up some people and she's a little girl who hasn't trained that much but she is tough enough but she doesn't know what she can and can't do and what is proper she sees electra getting the crap kicked out of her and electra is getting the crap kicked out of her because she's going at this as what matt would want non-lethal ways and so alice picks up a gun and shoots this guy he, he dies and she's like oh my god alice what's going on but then just to give you the next big thing the guy then disappears in green mist because he's part of the hand. So that adds more and more things in with that. Then we go and see Matt being transferred. He's going back to the prison, you know, with the idea that he's going to help 
expose the warden and all this stuff, but he doesn't want his sentence lessened. He wants to do his whole deal. And that's where Cole says, you're selfish. You're doing this for your own thing. Everybody else is trying to help you. You're going to die. What good are you dead? Then we go back to Fisk to end it where Fisk is working out. And when he works out, holy moly, he is Jack. I mean, he's a big dude, but he's a big dude. And he's talking about with his trainer. The trainer's like, you, you seem like you're having a good time lately. You seem in a better mood. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of realizing what I want out of life and get some stuff, got a clear head, whatnot. And then he gets a call. Wesley runs in. Oh, my God, there's a call. It's Ravencroft Institute. It's Dr. Rajput. Now, it's one of those things that we kind of forget what was going on, but he was trying to make kind of his own daredevil out of Bullseye. He was trying to get this whole deal. Well, that didn't work. And Bullseye's killed everybody and said, oh, they're all dead. Your great experiment worked, though. I'm coming to get everyone. And it is horrific. He's just covered in blood in like little Speedo underwear. Oh, look at him. Uh, but yeah, that's the deal. And Fisk freaks out. And, you know, what's going on? Wesley's like, oh, my God, well, what is it? What is it? Oh, no. Bullseye's free. Boom. That's the deal. And yeah, pretty much you have on a cover for next deal, pretty much like here comes the angel of death bullseye to settle all the scores. And again, that's great. And again, what Chip Sadarsky does, you can sit there and, and earlier in the run, there were people I, I didn't, I want to toot my own horn here and say that I was on board right away. I wasn't. It took that first arc. And then after that first arc, I really fell in love with this book. And if you go back and listen to our main podcast, I'm not lying or anything about that. But, yeah, I struggled a bit because when I came into Fresh Start, Fresh Start, I didn't know much about Daredevil. So I was learning a little. But once you got past that first arc, once he ends up killing that guy, and once you see, you know, this idea of not just Daredevil but Matt being the, the focus here, I really did like it, but one of the other things I like was Chip Zdarsky can juggle a ton of storylines and always give you enough. This is something where I struggle a bit, as you heard at the beginning of this podcast, with a Nick Spencer. Nick Spencer doesn't quite juggle at points. He kind of puts the, you know, the juggling apparatus. What are you juggling? Like the the bowling pins maybe or some chainsaws. But at points he, he puts those down to then start Instead of juggling, now we're going to do some sleight of hand tricks. Now we're done with that. Let's put those aside. And now we're going to do some break dancing. And then eventually you'll break dance while doing sleight of hand while juggling. But at points you just seem he just leaves things go. Chip Starsky has this real knack in this book, especially of always reminding you of things, always having the things really do seem like. They're all happening at one time. Even when you don't, you have an issue where Cole isn't there. You wonder where he is, but you, oh, he's doing this. And then he comes up and everything feels right. He doesn't just pop up and, oh, my God, you know, like that. Like, again, Chip Zdarsky uh, does that. Nick Spencer this week, when Overdrive shows up, you're like, oh, man, like, what, what has he been doing? And then you get that idea of, like, and I'm trying to explain this at all. When with Nick Spencer, you never get the full expanse of time that's been going. You'll have tens and twenties of issues where then you'll have a guy pop up and realize, oh my God, only a day has passed in all these. Like that doesn't happen here. There's a good sense of time. There's a good sense of things. And with that, that builds the tension very well. It builds the tension, also makes it feel like it's real, makes it feel very natural. When Cole shows up foggy, we haven't seen, but now when he shows up, we realize 
Foggy has been desperately, maybe 24-7, trying to figure out something to get Matt out of jail. And that plays out very well. And so, yeah, I don't know. I keep dealing with this, and I'm losing my track. How many TVs do I have? I have 28, right? There you go. But, yeah, I, I really like it, and because of that, this issue is a 9 out of 10 for me. There's not many real down issues of this run. There's a couple. And what I was going to get to, now I remember. See, I, I am like a hummingbird on meth. What I was going to say at the beginning is almost every issue does feel like you could say, oh, this is a setup issue. This is, But aren't they all anyway? And what he sets up is so well done and so big in scope, but still just focusing in Hell's Kitchen, in the prison. So I, I really really enjoy it i think everybody should check it out but that's it before i end up getting so out of my mind here i ended up taking my medicine i actually got my adderall back it's not helping me much i think that the downtime during the shutdown because i hadn't had it for almost a year uh i don't know it might have redone my brains something like that because i'm still adjusting to it so i apologize if i'm all scattered which usually i am but yeah that that's that hopefully you can make heads or tails of all this, but I do really enjoy this Daredevil. That's easy to understand, right? But thanks, everybody, for listening.